you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. Please hit subscribe on your podcast player. We'd also love if you gave us a review. Now let's get back to building Ted. I mean Laverne and Shirley. No, seriously, it's R&D and with me, that's three. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 507 now, the Ron and Don Show, and we are right here, back in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, are they finally going to sign the king of flag football, Geno Smith, the Seattle Seahawks? Also, workaholism. Is it over? Before we get to that, though, let's get to this, the market. Ron, you've been doing some pretty interesting stuff, and I'm pretty proud of you in the way that you've been investigating and learning more about the stock market and understanding how the stock market in Wall Street affects real estate on Main Street. What do you make of this incredible jobs report, and what do you make of the fact that right now that when you look at this jobs report and the fact that, wow, Americans are back to work and there's lots of companies out there, even in a quote unquote looming recession that are looking for good workers right now. This is kind of a weird spot that we're in and some people are now saying, well, maybe we're not gonna go through a recession. What do you see happening to the market? What do you see happening on Wall Street? It's interesting, I listened to most of, uh, Jerome Powell did a the, sort of a Q&A yeah. this week. Uh, last week when you're hearing this. And it's interesting to hear him speak because he really, the, the the moderator at one point said, what's the chairman of the Fed's make a year? What's your salary? Because he, knowing that it's a public, like the guy already knew the number, but knowing it's a public document because he's a government employee. And Jerome looked at him a little bit sideways and he's like, 190000 a year. And he's like, you feel like that's enough? And he's like, yes, I do. <laughs> because... <laughs> What 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 happened is there is a That's awesome. one of the one of the Fed chairman one tier down from yeah. Jerome had sold some equities and he didn't do it the exact by the letter of the law way and he got in trouble for that. Yeah. So like he was sort of like, so you know, one of your guys making some money in the market. And he's like, Yeah, he goes, if I had to do anything, he's like, if, if an event happened with my family, I'd have to wait 45 days before I sold. I have to declare what I'm going to do and then wait 45 days so it doesn't affect the markets. My point being is that he has a real fine line to, to walk because he has one tool in his toolbox. Yeah. That tool is to raise interest rates or lower interest rates right. that then trickle out in, into the economy. And so if you get a loan with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, which are federally backed loan programs, yeah. um, they are beholden to what the Fed does. And so there's an entire separate universe of private lending that happens in America that most people don't realize is going on. Like Don and I could go buy whatever we wanted. And as long as we found a private lender, um, we could write up a contract and that guy could give us money or that woman could give us money. They could be at 12% interest, but we could get a private loan. But if you want to be tied to the markets and tied to like the, the fed, then you, you know, you're in these traditional programs. And so I think he has a fine line where he is, he raised interest rates less than, you know, what they had been doing, but they still raised it. Uh, he is trying to be sensitive to people 
you know, that are paying a lot for eggs and for gas and all that stuff. And at the same time, he doesn't have nine tools. He has the one tool. So he's like, we're trying to thread this needle. We're trying to bring this back uh, and to not have it skid off the, the side of the road, so to speak. But a, a lot of this, and he won't say it, but you can read between the lines, is the previous administration didn't care in terms of the long term. They were short-term focused only. And so keeping interest rates as low as possible, as long as possible, was a good political move uh, for the ex-president. And so that's what he did. So Powell is sort of cleaning up that mess. Like mm. the, you know, when, when you change presidents, the economy doesn't change. It doesn't know. Uh, like it's all of the momentum from the previous administration flows into the next administration. And so in a lot of ways, he's cleaning up the momentum of that previous administration and saying, yeah, we can't have 0% interest forever. Like that just doesn't, that's not how economies of scale work in the, in the world. So yeah, a lot of stuff happened at the same time, but I, I feel optimistic that it, we're still seeing money in the market. Like we're not seeing huge, you know, 10% drops in a day. Uh, we're not seeing giant swings. We're seeing vol a lot of volatility, yeah. but it's not like 2008 volatility. You need to have a recession, they say, at least every uh, 12 years. So, and we're all long overdue. I think we're 14 years in here. So, do you do you think we're in a recession right now? Uh, I don't think like there's the technical definition and there's the practical definition. Mm -hmm. I think the technical definition is no, but the practical definition is yes. And I think, you know, consolidating this stuff, like I would, in our newsletter was sent out today, King County, the for the past three years, rents went up 17% mm. in three years, rents. Yep. And so that's clearly unsustainable. Yep. You can't have people be able to afford rents if every three, you know, if it's going up basically six, almost 6% per year, every year. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, it is necessary for someone to pull the reins a little bit and go, time out like this is unsustainable right that's if there is a purpose quote unquote uh when everything gets overextended it reverts to the mean like that's just an economic principle it's going to happen and so while the technical underlyings might not say yes it's 100 percent a recession the fact that we see this consolidation of energy and sort of a pullback in, in these things seems like you know the job layoffs all that stuff will begin to normalize this environment I, again with the asterisk of we don't we live in a specific city and we live in specific uh, market conditions and we have multiple I, I was thinking about this the other day um if you think about the top not fortune 500 companies like fortune 10 companies in one city, I'm trying to think of another city that would have more. Yep. Even if you go to New York, LA, you know, all, Washington DC, whatever you want, Chicago, like Amazon, Costco, Starbucks, uh, Microsoft, Boeing, Boeing, yeah. F five, like we could keep going on. Not all those are in the top ten, yeah. but like it's it's remarkable. Meta, Google, lot, yeah. yeah, and they're not headquartered here, but I'm talking about headquartered oh, here. Yeah. Uh, so our economy is going to be different than the economy. Yeah. More on the other side. 
Hey, it's Ronnie Don here for Les Schwab. You know, the weather's starting to change a little bit, getting a little bit better. Some of us are thinking, hey, maybe I'm going to do a road trip. Maybe I'm going to go up to the ski area. Maybe I'm going to go across the mountains. If you're doing any of those things before you go on a big trip, go get your free Les Schwab pre-trip safety check. They're going to take a look at your tires, your battery, your brakes, your alignment, and more. Then if there's anything that needs uh, fixing, they're going to recommend based on what you really need. Or what if you need some fixings, Ma? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think that's the Beverly Hillbillies, 1943. Anyway, if you need new tires, you guys, save up to $150 right now. It's Les Schwab's Founder, Founders Day celebration sale. You can select tire sizes, different types. All you got to do is go to leschwab.com and see what's available right now. That's leschwab.com or stop by yeah, a Les Schwab Tire Center. Just about 84 locations to serve you to find the one near you. Again, LesSchwab.com. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Hey, you guys, back to the show in just a moment. It's Ron and Don talking about Don, uh, Don sizing. <laughs> Is it downsizing or downsizing? Ron, I was looking. We had over probably 12 to 13 clients last year that were downsizing. And sometimes it's the Ron and Don Nation calling us maybe on behalf of an older parent, right? Yeah. And so if you're in that boat, we like to think of it as right sizing. What's the right size of a place for you to live in right now at this stage in your life? There's a lot that goes into this. Sometimes a bunch of possessions you have to go through. Sometimes uh, you're surviving a member of the family and you want to be respectful to the legacy and heritage of your loved one that's passed on. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts of this and we, we know how to do it. We're good at it. We're very respectful about it. And there's nothing better than I love than getting that phone call or picture or text from someone that we've gone through this process. They've gone into their next place and they're like, hey, Ron and Don, thank you for helping me get here to this new place in my life. I've never been happier. Yeah. All right. Hey, you guys, if you want to sit down with us, all you got to do is reach out, right? Yeah, go to ronanddonsitdown.com or you can email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, life-changing event coming up uh, this Thursday, right? Yeah, this Thursday. Um, as we're recording this, there's still two slots open. And if we get 31 people, we'll squeeze you in there. Sure. Uh, so go to ronanddon.com slash change if you want to change your life for the better. And even if it's even if you never buy a house, yeah. but it just maybe changes the way you think about something. Because you took action. You did something. You, come and, yeah. you, you came, you hung out with us. We had something to eat. You heard our presentation uh, and really... Ron's going to be doing a great job teaching uh, that night. I'm going to be talking about snowballing, and you're going to be talking about uh, the nuts and bolts of putting a real estate deal together, how you do that, how do you finance it. And if you're not ready, sometimes you're not ready because you got to go work on your credit score or you got to save up some money or whatever that is. At least you walk away knowing, hey, now I have some tools in my toolbox and I can somehow make real estate maybe a part of my portfolio, or maybe it already is, and you want to know how to how to expand that. Yeah, so, so ronadon.com slash change. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Yeah. Hey, workaholism. Uh, this is kind of an interesting story, and they're talking about, uh, is it the end of workaholism in America? It connects to another story that I was reading about the fact that when it comes to men in America, and especially men that are financially well-off, uh, if they're they're in the top ten percent, we're seeing them start to work less. I think that's very interesting. I have some friends that just retired, but they didn't really retire. 
Uh, they still have an office at home or they still have an office that they report to. They just don't have a boss to report to. But a lot of my friends that own uh, real estate, they still have to run that real estate, maintain that real estate. There's still tax implications. They said they have to collect those rents, right? You have to send out your maintenance crew. You still have to have a group of good people around you. Uh, but I do see them doing more of the things that maybe my grandparents didn't do. Because you save up money your whole entire life. Then you get in your 60s and 70s. And then maybe you start spending that pension money, the 401k. You buy the trailer. You go on the trip. And then maybe you only have about 8 to 10 years there of going out and doing stuff. It seems like a lot of us have learned through the pandemic that, hey, I should be doing stuff all along just like Ron Upshaw does. Every once in a while, he still jumps on a plane and he goes somewhere and he gets goes on a great adventure. And for a lot of us, we were taught, well, you save those adventures for the end of your life after you've worked real hard. Ron, it seems like there's a shift right now in American culture. I'm right? curious if you agreed with the, the thesis of this story, which was um, just a little background. They said... For time in memoriam, the wealthier you were, the less you worked. Mm -hmm. So if you were an aristocrat in Europe, you worked less than a peasant in, work, in Europe. And he's like, that all changed in the United States in the 70s, I believe, where the wealthiest uh, strata in America started working more. So the theory they put out there was it coincided with the decline of religiosity in American culture. And that people of means substituted the altar of church for the altar of work and vocation. Hmm. Did you think that, did that ring true to you? Well, it's interesting because for a lot of people that I know that are in the evangelical movement, the eight to 10% that they give the church is not only very important to them, but it's also very important to the church. If you think about it, why do we really need all these buildings especially if all you're doing is getting together once a week or twice a week. What you've seen a lot of churches do and what a lot of old churches used to do, if you go back and you look at Protestant faith or the Catholic faith, is they said, you know what? We, we want to have these services on Sunday. We want to have a midnight mass. We are going to pass the basket. But also, what are some of the good things that we could do in the community? In other words, could we feed people? Or could we create a parochial school? Is there something that we could do Monday through Friday that would not only help pay the bills, but it would help the community? But with the onslaught of megachurches, what we see is we see megachurches getting much bigger. They're much more expensive, especially with social media. You see these, these pastor superstars. We used to have one over in Ballard by the name of Mark Driscoll. And then he was running a mega church and kind of got caught financially with his pants down. So now he's in Arizona, and I saw him the other day online. He's doing the exact same thing that he did here when he ran from Ballard. He's just doing it down in Arizona. So he has a big ministry. He has a big church. He has a big mega church. But then the question becomes, what do these mega churches do through the course of the week? Do they open their doors to feed people, for instance? A lot of times they don't, because if you start opening up your doors to feed people, you start opening up your doors to house people, the next thing you know, the government gets involved, there's lots of rules and regulations, and really for churches on the street corner to become a force, I don't think they're forces anymore. I think they're build big buildings with fences, and I think people meet once or twice a week, and I think we have the, these religious superstars out there. Uh, that are driving this. So I would love for the church, once again, to kind of become a force in the neighborhood. I don't really see that. But as far as 
the 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 connection of yeah, there's an altar of work compared to the altar of Jesus. I, I don't know that I make I don't know that I make that connection. It was interesting. I mean, I found it interesting, and I I, I was like, okay, I'm going to be open minded on that. It could be true. There there could be something to that that like the less important religion gets in your life, the more important the status of work becomes. And so what they found uh, really since the pandemic and a little bit before the pandemic is that strata of income earners is now working less. They said an average of, I think, 79 hours a year for men and 29 hours a year for women. So it had gone up and up and up, and now it's slightly starting to come down. And so they're trying to figure out why is that? Was it, is it just because of the pandemic or has there been a psychological shift where people have now realized, Hey, um, I'm going to spend this currency that I have for time. Yeah. I'm going to, like you said, spend this currency that I work so hard for, for experience. And I think that has really, it, say what you will about millennials. That's one thing I think that they have injected into the culture. That's really good is like, I'm not going to wait to live in a van for a year. I'm not going to wait to be a digital nomad. I'm going to do that now. Uh, I'm going to go to Europe now. Mm -hmm. I'm taking a a gap year now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I'm going to go spend three months traveling through South America now. uh, And there's always, if I'm good, there's always going to be a job for me. Yeah. And maybe I skip, maybe I jump around to 10 different jobs instead of having a 30 year career somewhere or a 40 year career. Maybe I have 10, three year careers, Uh, but in between them, I'm going to learn to surf. I'm going to buy a van. I'm going to be a snowboarder, whatever your thing is going to be. I'm going to climb mountains. I'm going to make art. I'm going to live wherever I want to live. And so I think that that may have trickled up a little bit. You see some, you know, people that are parents of these kids going, that's a good idea. Yeah. Like maybe I should be doing that yeah, too. And once you have a colleague, a friend, a family member, when you see someone die young, like I watched my sister die young, for instance, my father died relatively young. Uh, I have fr- some friends that have died young. We have a colleague that just died very, very young. You start to look at your minutes and moments, and then you start to look at the money that you have in the bank. And I know a lot of times uh, for me, it's always important to have something in the bank because I've never had that security. And I want to make sure that my son and I have that security and that safety net. But once you know the net is there, at least in my case, uh, yeah, like we always talk about money in my family, we're going to give some, spend some, save some. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, Mitch Weeks joins us here from Mitch.Loans, a sponsor of the show. Mitch, we just did a deal for a client, and you've talked about in other spots a 3-2-1 buy-down. He didn't do that, but he still got a lower rate than the published rate. How did that work? Yeah, you can do something called paying points, where you actually pay a certain percentage of your loan, usually less than a percent of your loan. It's not that big a number, but he got the sellers to pay it, and that was great negotiating by both of you. And so the sellers gave him a chunk of money up front that bought down his rate. Market rates now in about the 7% range, and they used you know $15,000 to buy down their rate to a 6%. So for the whole life of this 30-year loan, he gets to pay his loan as if rates were a 6% when he bought even though they were a seven if it drops down lower than that he can refinance he absolutely can he can get out of that loan at any time there's no prepayment penalty on any of our loans you can refi pay it all off if you win the lotto or just start paying more and there's an advantage to doing that and we can talk about that with you too all right so we have a bunch of different strategies to finance a purchase right now Uh, you can check out mitch's website at mitch.loans that's mitch.loans 
All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Before we get out of here, uh, Geno Smith, do you see him playing here in Seattle? And he is the king of uh, flag football, as we saw oh, last man. week during the Pro Bowl. Did, did you and what, like all these the skill games? What, well, what was your thought on, on the three flag football games versus a Pro Bowl game where everybody puts their pads on and they don't hit each other? And they shouldn't. And the reason they don't do that, there's been a couple players over the years that have played in the Pro Bowl. Your money is not guaranteed for the most part for a lot of guys in the NFL unless it's part of your signing bonus. But you can have a big tra- contract. You get hurt in the Pro Bowl, go to play next year, and your ACL's out, and that's it. And that's what happened to a couple guys. So that's why my coach used to call it tit blocking, where you just kind of <laughs> – Yeah, so it wasn't it – wasn't real it wasn't it wasn't real smash mouth football so in so in make it instead because it was kind of coming a wwe event and, and almost making it, fun of you football. know what it reminded me of you remember battle of the network stars totally yeah it, it turned it's very battle of the network stars i i kind of like this the throwing the quarterback accuracy throwing contest that's very cool that was interesting the one where the linemen have to move the sled was kind of a little la- like it didn't make for great tv yeah I, I didn't really watch a lot of the flag football like that that sort of stuff is not that interesting to me but um geno smith it's funny because how do you think about a quarterback and I, i've really been influenced by michael wilbon on this who's an old columnist for the washington post and the way he does it is he's like, okay, you look at the league and then you have to rank the quarterbacks. And so how many actual elite quarterbacks are there? Probably, you know, so let's say there's 32 teams, elite quarterbacks, let's say five to five to seven. I would say five. I would say five to eight. So five to eight elite quarterbacks. Five to eight, yeah. And so then you've got five to eight on the bottom that are the worst quarterbacks. And then you've got the middle of the pack that are middle tier quarterbacks. So and what you, you have to th- always remember though is I don't think you can stick with 32 because most teams will go through a quarterback or two and some teams have gone through five quarterbacks sure. this year, right? And so so, uh, so it's more it's more they always say 32 and they but it but it's certainly more than more than 30 32 when you look at the starting quarterbacks. How many quarterbacks started in the NFL through the course of the season? I, I think that's a larger sample that, that sure. we should look at. So and that could be that could be sixty quarterbacks. So that's concept number one. Concept number two is to go back in recent times and go, how many Super Bowl winners did we have that did not have an elite quarterback? Yeah. So you could look at Baltimore Ravens when Ray Lewis ran that defense. They they won a Super Bowl. You look at your your Bears with Jim McMahon. He was not an elite quarterback, nope. but they had Walter Payton and they had an incredible defense. And they had a great defense. Yeah. And so you can look at maybe uh, you know, was it Jacksonville? Did Jacksonville win one? There was another team that did not have a great quarter, but Mark Brunel or something. You know, like Trent that. Dilfer Trent when he Dilfer. when he was with the Buccaneers. Uh, he was able to win, and he ended up winning a Super Bowl. And he's pretty pedestrian. He's right. a very so, pedestrian. So now you game, do that. game manager, which quarterbacks never want to be called. Right. But, so yeah. you look at that, and some could even say the Seattle Seahawks won without an elite quarterback. That I, might it might be true. I would think it was a second tier quarterback. So and a great now, def- and a great def- now you have these two models in your brain, and you go. So we have two different ways you can win. Most of it is with an elite quarterback, a Tom Brady, uh, taking you to winning in the Super Bowl. And you have to have great offensive tackles. So spend more money on your blindside tackle, your tackles, your receivers. Maybe you don't spend as much money on the defense, right? You look at the Buffalo Bills, you look at the Chargers, not as much money spent on defense saying, you know what, we're going to give up some points, but we're going to score more points than you are because of our powerful offense. So the question is, could you win a Super Bowl? That is the goal. 
Could the Seattle Seahawks win a Super Bowl with a quarterback like Geno Smith, if not exactly Geno Smith? Well, and their defense would have to get a lot better, than, defense it, than, get it, a lot better. than it was this year. So, like, like we saw in 2012, 2013, 2014, that defense would somehow have to right. return. So first, you have to accept reality as it is and as you want it to be and go, Geno Smith is probably, if you look at the statistics, he's probably a, a, a 15 to 18 quarterback he's not the worst he's not elite maybe higher maybe maybe 18 to 12 he's somewhere in there middle of the pack middle of the pack Mm -hmm. could you win a super bowl with that guy yeah yeah Uh, can you do that with the way the team is currently constructed probably not and so um if you go that route what you're banking on is that we're not going to pay uh, what's the dude from Cleveland money? You're not going to pay that kind of money for this quarterback. We're just calling the dude from Cleveland. Dude from Cleveland. That I, I'm glad I forgot his name because his case is very bizarre. Um, so we're not going to pay top tier t- prices. We're going to take that rest of that money mm-hmm. and we're going to build out the things you just said. Yeah. Or the other model, San Francisco 49ers. They had their third string quarterback and made it to the championship game. And if he wouldn't have gotten injured, that would have been a very different game. Mm-hmm. So now what do you do if you're San Francisco? We have all the pieces. Yeah. Can we even afford an elite quarterback? Yes. Uh, I don't know if we, they have the money for that. So I think Geno Smith deserves a contract in Seattle. I think we can win with him. He's very liked among his teammates. But let's not pretend like he's an elite quarterback. He is what he is which is a better-than-average NFL quarterback, which is rare. There's only 10 other 1,200 teams that have better than us, so let's embrace that he's a better-than-average quarterback and that to win a Super Bowl, we need a Ray Lewis, if you will, on the other side of the ball. And I hope Russell Wilson is listening because I've never seen Russell Wilson do this. They just interviewed Joe Burrows, and his his contract is coming up. And he said, I want to keep all the weapons on offense that I have. And so... I want to. I'm not concerned about making the most money. I want to create a contract. So when I get paid, I want to make sure all these guys are still getting paid. So we have a shot at winning some Super Bowls. That really is the Tom Brady model. We never saw Tom Brady holding out for more money. We never saw Tom Brady saying, "I want to be." He would defer payments. He would. He he. And and Troy Aikman did the same thing. Troy Aikman when he was getting paid. I remember talking to him in the broadcast booth. It was ten years after he played for Dallas, and he was still getting a check from the Dallas. Cowboys. So, Russell Wilson, how about that? Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to episode 507 of the Ron and Don Show. Yeah, we got a life-changing event coming up. If you want to come, well, we'd love to meet you, right? It's this Thursday, so you got to hustle. Go to ronanddon.com slash change. There are two spots available as we're doing this broadcast today. All right, don't forget also, get signed up for our newscast or our newsletter. All you have to do is go to ronanddonsitdown.com. I just said newsletter because I didn't know we were doing a newscast. Yeah, and if you want to do a sit-down with us now, if you're thinking about selling a home, I'm doing, in fact, I'm jumping in the car and I'm driving to see a client tomorrow. We are beginning to sell a lot of homes once again in the great specific Northwest. We are a regional brand, which means if you're listening to us in the state of Washington, we can help you. Just reach out. You can write me direct, Don, at ronanddon.com. He's Ron at ronanddon.com. Everything on socials, Ron Upshaw, Don O'Neill, and Don O'Neill 34. Hey, you guys, once again, you keep your head up, shoulders back, and we'll see you next time for episode 508. It's the Ron and Don Show. Olay on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.